Hey, would you pray with me real quick? Father God, Lord, um, we thank you that we have an opportunity to get together. Lord, as we start our day, as we start our week, I ask humbly that you would, you would move in this place, that you would be present in our lives, um, that we would feel your presence. And as we celebrate, Lord, that you would be in that. Father, we thank you for the life change that we're going to be able to, um, to share in this morning. We thank you that we're able to, to reflect on prayer this morning. Father, we love you, and we thank you that we have a place such as this to worship you. It's in your son's name. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. This morning, we, uh, we get to party some more. We get to, get to celebrate. We're doing baptisms this morning, and, and baptism, of course, is just a great way to, to celebrate some cool stuff that's going on. Um, if you're not familiar with baptism, if you're, not, if you're not from a tradition that celebrates it, this is a way that we can kind of show what's going on inside. And so I'm going to get out of the way of this, and I'm going to turn it over to Paul, and we're going to celebrate this. Yeah, this is, uh, this is awesome. And uh, this is something that we get really excited about here at Genesis Church. So when we baptize uh, these three individuals in just a moment, go crazy, all right? Uh, this is Dana Harvey, and uh, we're excited to have Dana with us. Uh, Dana is married to Amber, and they've been coming to Genesis for about a year and a half now. And uh, Amber has two sons that you're going to get to meet in uh, just a moment as they're going to be baptized too. Uh, Dana's been serving in the U.S. military for the last four years and just came home from another tour. I'll finish up uh, here at the end of this year, and I think we can celebrate that. But uh, it's been a real privilege getting to know this guy and uh, just in talking with him uh, via email and, and even recently. And he made it very clear this morning that I'm being baptized today because I want people to know that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. And uh, Dana, it's a real privilege to be able to, to baptize you this morning. I'm going to ask you to repeat this after me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. My Lord and Savior. My Lord and Savior. Well, Dana, because you put your trust in Jesus Christ, I baptize you today in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Alive and proud. All right, this is, uh, this is Keegan, and uh, Keegan is in sixth grade, and uh, he's excited to be baptized today, and his brother's going to be baptized in just a moment. But uh, Keegan made it very clear that uh, he wants people to know that Jesus Christ is his Lord and Savior and uh, that he wants to live for him every day. So, Keegan, I'm going to repeat this, and, uh, or say this, and would you repeat this after me? I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the Living God. My Lord and Savior. My Lord and Savior. Well, Keegan, because you put your trust in Jesus, I baptize you today in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. Awesome, buddy. Congratulations, man. All right, and this is this is the brother, but not the little brother, right? This is uh, this is Corbin, and Corbin, uh, it's it's a great privilege of mine to be able to baptize you today, and just trust that God's going to do some awesome things in your life. Uh, Corbin, would you please repeat this after me? I believe that Jesus is the Christ, I believe that Jesus is the, Christ the Son of the Living God, the Son of the Living God, my Lord and Savior. My Lord and Savior. Well, Corbin, because you put your trust in Jesus, 
I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. Hey, as we keep going this morning and celebrating all this great stuff, why don't you take a moment, stand up, say hello to some people around you. About the offering, so. Hey, we're glad to have you with us here today. Uh, many of you know uh, our worship pastor, Ben Krause, and, and his wife, Beth Ann. And if you've been around here for a while, uh, you know that by now we are uh, beginning to say goodbye to them, uh, whether we like it or not. Uh, in that they'll be leaving here, uh, their last Sunday being Sunday, October the 31st, to go to Michigan. And I don't know if anybody has let him know that it snows up there and snows quite a bit, but uh, that's evidently where God is leading them. I want to encourage you to think about how you might appreciate them as they leave. Is is there something special uh, that maybe you and your family would like to do for them? One of the things that we've made available beginning today is if you go back to the Info Hub after the service, Uh, We've got a nice little container back there, and there's all sorts of pieces of stationery in there. Uh, There's great power in a note, and uh, maybe there's something that you'd love to say to Ben and to Beth Ann and to their family, and you're not sure you could get it out uh, in words, uh, but you know that you could write it down. I hope that as you leave today, maybe you'll go back and you'll get one of these cards and take it with you. And if you could just make sure to have that back by Sunday, October the 31st, Uh, We want to make sure to get all of those together and to be able to present that to them uh, as a great gift, something that they can take with them, again, of of some awesome memories that we really appreciate all that they have done uh, for Genesis Church. Last week, we kicked off a series here at Genesis Church, a series that we're calling Open Skies. 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 offers a couple of great truths. And if you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down. The first truth that it presents to us is that you can go to God in prayer. That as a follower of Jesus Christ, we have this privilege that we can go to God of heaven, we can go to the God of the universe in prayer. And when you go, you don't have to be ashamed. Uh, you don't have to go hesitantly. Uh, you don't have to question or, whether, whether, or wonder whether he listens or not. But you can go to God with nothing but absolute confidence. And when we go to God, the second thing is that he hears us. That not only does he listen, but he hears us. And I don't know about you, but there are many times in my life where I'm guilty of selective listening. Well, God's never guilty of selective listening. Uh, The Bible teaches us that when God listens, he listens attentively. And not only does he listen, but when we pray, God God is ready to respond. He is ready to respond to our prayers. So I hope you're praying. Uh, That's kind of the goal over the next few weeks, that if you haven't been praying, to encourage you to to start praying or to restart praying. We want to be a a praying church, but if we're ever going to be a praying church, it starts with people who pray. And so I hope you give prayer a chance. And last week we talked about some real basics for what it means to pray or even how to get you started uh, in your prayer life, especially if you've grown frustrated in the past. And if you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you to go to our website and to have a listen uh, for yourself. But this morning I want to talk about another question that typically comes up at church or with prayer or around Christians or even outside of the church. Uh, and that has to do with hearing from God in our prayers. Uh, what does it mean to hear God's voice in your life, especially when you pray? And so this morning we're going to talk about just that. What does it mean to hear God's voice and to really know that it's God that is speaking into your life? Someone once said that when we talk to God, we call it prayer. But when God talks to us, we call it schizophrenia. And that may be true because there's this sense 
if you would, there's this sense that, you know, to hear from God is a little leery, you know, and I don't know about you, but maybe there have been times in your life where you've heard somebody say, yeah, I'm hearing from God right now, or God said this to me, and you just can't help it be a little skeptical about what people are saying, like, you know, is that really true? Uh, You know, but the thing is that prayer was never meant to be this monologue. It was never meant to be this one-way conversation where we do all of the talking and God does all of listening. Yeah, prayer is a great means for us to go and to speak to God, to tell him what's on our heart, but it's also a means by which we listen to what he has to say or what he wants to say to us. Now, I want to be real honest with you and tell you as we talk about this area of hearing from God's voice that it's not an area that I excel in. I wish I did. I wish I could stand before you this morning and say, hey, I've got it down. You know, I hear from God all of the time. I know exactly what he's saying to me and how he's leading me in my life right now. And he's done that for me at times, and I've got a lot of room for improvement, and I feel like it's something that, that I'm getting a little bit better at. But it's a real area of growth for me, and, and I don't have this one figured out. And what I'm discovering is that one of my greatest faults when it comes to prayer are slowing, is, is slowing down enough. I mean, it, it's slowing down enough to be patient, you know, enough a willingness, you know, to listen to him. And, and, and when you don't slow down enough and you don't take time to listen to God, I, I believe that even that can become sin. And so I tried to do that this week. I tried to slow down just long enough to have some time to be able to hear from God and, and to pray and, and to be quiet. And, and it was refreshing. You know, it was life-giving to have that time with God. You know, just that willingness, that time to hear from Him. Last week we, uh, we talked about, you know, some real practical steps to help you get started in your prayer life. And, and I want to tell you this morning that this is a very practical message too. Uh, it's pretty basic, and so there's nothing real fancy about it. But I want to just give you some real practical advice. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn in them right now to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, go into the Old Testament and go to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, if you get to Psalms, you've gone too far, so go back to the left. 1 Samuel 3. It's in 1 Samuel 3 that we read about an example of God speaking to someone and that person listening. And in this particular situation, it's Samuel. So here's what I want you to see right from the start, that when we get, when when God speaks to Samuel in this story, right here in 1 Samuel chapter 3, he speaks in an audible voice, all right? He speaks out loud. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read something like that, I say, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I wish I could get God to speak to me in an audible voice. You know, if I could hear him say something out loud, you know, I'd listen too. And so maybe that's where you are. And and in fact, maybe you've got some uh, frustrated kind of feelings right now when it comes to prayer and when it comes to hearing God's voice, because you're like, well, God isn't talking to me right now, or at least he's not talking in such a way that I can hear him or recognize him. And so it's been frustrating for you, or maybe it's been frustrating in the past. Maybe it's frustrating, you know, right now because you want to hear from God, but it's not, it's like he's not listening. Well, some of you have given up on trying to hear from God, and and my prayer is that maybe today you'd give that another chance and and just reconsider some ways that maybe God wants to speak to you this morning. So what does it mean to listen to God's voice? What does it mean to hear from him? How can we do better at hearing from God? I want to just look at a few examples that we can take out of this uh, scene here in 1 Samuel chapter 3 this morning. Let's start in verse 1. 1 Samuel 3, 1, it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. 
Now, evidently, this is not something that happened very often. It says very specifically here in in this text that that God speaking was rare at this point in history. Now, notice that verse 1 doesn't tell us why. It doesn't give us any indication why this is the case. Was it that God wasn't in the speaking mood? Or was it the people weren't really in the listening mood? I mean, there are a number of different things that can prevent you or make it difficult to hear from God in your life. One thing, many more than anything else, that can make it really difficult to hear from God is this. And if you're taking notes, you can write this off to the side. There's no blank for it. But one thing that can make it very difficult to hear from God is sin. It's sin in your life. It's unconfessed sin. Uh, It's your personal sin. Now, if you put this story into the context that it finds itself in, you you have to go back to chapter 2 to understand a little bit more what's been happening around Samuel and Eli and even all of Israel at this point. Chapter 2 is all about the sin of Israel. Specifically, it's the sin in the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the spiritual center uh, for the Israelite community. Eli was the chief priest. He was the chief priest above all the other priests, and his sons had followed him as priests. And look at what the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 2, verse 12. It says, Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. So his sons were, you know, priests within this tabernacle, but the Bible says that they were wicked men. You know, they were stealing from the offering bag. They were, you know, sleeping with women that were not their wives. You know, they were taking the most convenient parking spots on Sunday mornings. I'm just kidding. Um, But chapter 2 explains that Eli knew all of this was happening. He knew all of this was taking place, and he didn't do anything to stop it. He just kind of overlooked it all. So you have to ask, was it that God wasn't in the speaking mood or was it that the people of Israel weren't really in the listening mood? Now, here's the thing. If you haven't heard God's voice in your life in a long time, maybe sometime or ever, it might be time for you to take a personal evaluation with where you are right now in your life. And maybe the question for you this morning is, is there some unconfessed sin in your life right now? that might be standing in the way from you hearing from God? I mean, or is it that you don't slow down long enough to hear from Him? I mean, that's sin too. Uh, If you know that you're going to sin this afternoon or you're going to sin later on this evening or if you're going to sin tomorrow, I'll just tell you, don't really plan on hearing from God because He's not really into that. I mean, if you're sleeping with your girlfriend right now, count on being frustrated in your prayers. You know, the biggest killer in us hearing from God is unconfessed sin. Well, let's go back to chapter 3 now and let's continue in the story knowing that we know a little bit more about what's happening here when we get to 1 Samuel 3. Let's start in verse 2 and I'm going to read through verse 10. It says, One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. 
So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now verse 10. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And so the question is, how do we hear God's voice? I mean, what does it mean for you and I to hear God's voice? What can we better do to hear from him? Not just a one-time only thing either, but what does it mean to work towards this life where we are regularly hearing from God, being guided by him? Is it possible to hear God's voice as clearly as Samuel heard it here? You know, again, there are a few things from this passage that I want to take note of that I think can help us clear some of the confusion in this area so that we might grow in our prayer lives. And so the first thing that I want you to see, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first thing I want you to see is that if you are going to listen to God's voice, then be where God speaks. Uh, You need to get where God speaks. You need to put yourself in a place and a position so that you can hear from him. I mean, look at it this way. Have you ever had a hard time uh, receiving a telephone call, maybe on your mobile phone? You know, maybe it's like this. Maybe, you know, at your desk, at work, in the building, you know, where you work, you can get a call at your desk, but for whatever reason, you might start the conversation, but it begins to break up. And so you know that when you get a call, and it might be an important call, you get up from your desk and you walk down the hall and you get to the nearest window so that you can get a little bit better reception. Well, the same is true spiritually. I mean, there are times and there are places in our life that work better for us to hear from God. For Samuel, it was in the temple. You know, notice that he was in the temple, and that's where God dwelt. The Ark of the Covenant was there. And if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible teaches us that God is in you. You know, that he lives inside of you. And so no matter where you are, no matter where you go, God is with you. And he is ready and he's willing to speak to you. But I do believe that you will still find that there are better times and there are better places in your life for which you can hear from God. You know, so maybe for you, it's like my wife who has to get up early in the morning before the kids get up, you know, in order to better hear from God. Or maybe for for you, it's you need to get out on a particular walk where you know you're not going to be disturbed. And that works well for you in hearing from God and being alone. And maybe for you, it's a decision that every morning on your commute or every day on your commute home, you turn off the radio and you just decide, I'm going to sit there in silence because this works better for me in wanting to hear from God. You know, the Bible says that when we come together as a church, you know, God is here in the middle of it all. And so that's why one of my prayers is that when you come here on Sunday mornings, you can come and expect to hear from God that you can come to this place and that you can count on the fact that the Spirit of God is here and He is ready to speak and He is ready to work uh, in your life. You know, and so God is here in the middle of it all. And that's why we believe that it's important to teach from the Word of God. You know, you might sometimes re- hear, hear us refer to the Bible as the Word of God. We believe that these are the very words of God. And so I want this to be a place where you can come each week and you can expect to find God here. Now, here's the challenge. Satan doesn't want that for you. Satan doesn't want you to hear from God, whether it be somewhere else or whether it be here on Sunday mornings. And so he can keep you from coming here, and he will. He'll do everything that he can to keep you from being here on Sundays. He'll do everything that he can to distract you. I mean, there are so many distractions, you know, even at a place like this, that can prevent you from really and truly being fully present on a Sunday. And so that's why I might challenge you that when you're driving to church on a Sunday morning, that you might just pray to yourself, God, would you just remove all of the distractions today? I want you to have every bit of me. What is it that you want to say? 
And maybe you need to do that on the opposite end too. I mean, maybe something just really strikes a chord here or you believe that you hear from God. And so when you walk out of this place and get in your car, you might need to pray, hey, God, just continue this work inside of me. You know, I'm getting ready to go back into the routine of all things. Would you just be, you know, loud and clear? Would you keep this up in my life? Satan will work hard to distract you. And so you have to be prepared. You know, what else can you do? I think you can work hard to set some time aside alone with God every week, you know, preferably each day, you know, just create some alone time, find a place where you can be alone with God. And if it's only 10 minutes someday, let it be 10 minutes. You know, it's better than nothing. If you can do more, do more. I mean, even Jesus made it a priority to get alone time with God. You know, the Bible says that he woke up early in the morning, you know, when it was still dark and he went off to a quiet place where he prayed. You know, so have a time, have a place in your life where you can just set it aside and you can be alone and just have some time with God. You know, another thing that you can do is fast. And and I realize that that's a big challenge for some people. It's a challenge for me. I I don't necessarily look forward to fasting because I like to eat, but I've discovered that it can come at just the right time and it could be a great answer to some of the questions. And so maybe you decide to voluntarily go without food for a day or, a, a, you know, a week or a season or whatever. Or maybe, maybe it's something else. I mean, you know, fasting should have a spiritual purpose. You know, so don't fast to save money, you know, on groceries, you know, or don't fast uh, to lose weight or something, you know. But if you choose to fast from food, do it for a spiritual purpose, you know, because you want to say, God, you're more important. And again, it doesn't have to be just from food. And so maybe you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a break from my computer you know, today, or I'm going to put the phone away for a few hours, or I'm going to let go of caffeine, you know, for an entire week. You know, some of you just start trembling, even thinking about the possibilities of doing something like that. But again, fasting reminds us of who it is that we really need and who it is that's the most important in our lives. And so if you're having a hard time hearing from God, maybe the next step for you is to practice fasting you know, to get to a place where you can hear God's voice and so that it can be more clearly spoken to you. John Piper uh, is a pastor and a writer, and in his book, Hungering for God, uh, he tells a story that I think really captures the purpose of fasting. And here's what he writes. He says, in the summer of 1967, I had been in love with my wife for a whole year. If you had told me that we would have to wait another year and a half to marry, I would have protested firmly. For us, it seemed the sooner the better. But it was the summer before my senior year of college. I was working as a water safety instructor at a camp, and she was hundreds of miles away working as a waitress. Never had I known an aching like this one. I had been homesick before, but never like this. Every day I would write a letter and and talk to her about this longing within me. And in the late morning, just before lunch, there would be a mail call. And when I heard my name and saw the lavender envelope, my appetite would be taken away. Or more accurately, my hunger for food was silenced by the hunger of my heart. Often, instead of eating lunch, I would take that letter to a quiet place in the woods. I would sit down on the leaves for a different kind of meal. You know, I mean, is there a hunger in your heart right now for something more than this world can offer? You know, something that only God can deliver. I mean, maybe for you, that next step in your life is fasting. And if you don't know where to start in that, you know, see one of our our staff and we'd be happy to to recommend uh, some resources to you. But when you fast, you're saying, God, I want to hear from you. God, you are the most important thing to me. There is a hunger in my heart and in my life right now that only you can fill. You know, fasting allows us to better hear God's voice, you know. So, So be where God is. 
I mean, are you carving out some time, some locations in your life right now where you can just be where God is, you know, to get where you need to be, to do what you have to do to better hear God's voice? Well, when it comes to listening to God's voice, not only do we need to get to those places, but the second thing is that we need to be ready to confirm that it is God's voice. We need to be ready to confirm that it's God's voice. I mean, when you're ready to hear from God, you need to be prepared to confirm that it's God that's speaking to you. You know, there are a bunch of places in Scripture where God speaks, and one of the most unusual places in Scripture is found in Numbers chapter 22. It's a great story, a story that you probably remember hearing as a kid uh, if you grew up going to Sunday school, and you'll understand why in just a moment. But again, it's a story about a guy by the name of Balaam. And uh, God's enemies, a group of people, came to Balaam and said, Hey, Balaam, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the Israelites. We're going to go to God's people. And we're just going to kind of lay the smack down with them. And and we're going to taunt them. And we're going to curse them and do all these different things. And so Balaam agrees. He says, Yeah, I'm in. You know, I'm up for that or whatever. Well, God's real angry. All right, if you read this, he's not very happy with his prophet here. He's not happy with Balaam that he's agreed to do this. And so as the story goes, Balaam gets on his donkey and he's riding down the road. Well, all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears in the road. The donkey sees it. Balaam doesn't. And so the donkey just kind of veers off the path into the field. Well, Balaam's ticked. He gets off the the donkey, pulls out a club. I mean, he just starts beating the donkey. I mean, he's just cracking it over the head. And, you know, and and so the donkey finally makes its way back on the path and Balaam gets on and they go a little further. Well, they come to this other place. The angel of the Lord appears again. Well, in this particular situation, if you read scripture, evidently there were two walls on both sides of the road. And so the donkey just kind of starts bumping, you know, into the side of the wall. Well, Balaam's upset. He gets off and he just starts, you know, beating down on this donkey, you know, once again. So they ride a little bit further, and it all happens again. There's no punchline at the end if you feel like there's a joke coming. But in Numbers chapter 22, verse 27, look look what happens next. It says, When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord for the third time, she lay down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat her with a staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and she said to Balaam, this is the donkey talking now, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? All right, so can you even imagine... All right, you've got a donkey talking, all right, which I know raises all sorts of questions with you right now. But the best part is that Balaam's not even blown away by the fact that it's happening. He just starts talking back to the donkey. All right, and so in this scene, you've got a donkey talking, his owner talking to him. You know, they're arguing. You know, Balaam's kind of like, oh, you know, you're going to act like that with me? Well, I'm going to act like, you know, this with you. And so it's this long argument between a donkey and Balaam. And so they go back and forth, you know, this, this, this long story. So I'll just make it short. And, and here's the point. In the end, God opened Balaam's eyes. You can read that for yourself in Numbers 22. So that even he could see the angel of the Lord standing there. And then what happened? the scripture said that Balaam fell to his face because God had been speaking and he hadn't been listening. You know, if I walked in my house this afternoon after church and and walked in the door and Charlie, our little betta fish, you know, said something to me, uh, I'd probably go look for somebody in my house to confirm, you know, that this fish is talking to me and, and what in the world does this fish want to say? Sometimes it's easy for us to question whether or not God is speaking to us. You know, are we really hearing from God? Is that really God's prompting? Am I really hearing his voice? And this was true for Samuel. And, and Scott, God speaks to Samuel, but he's not sure. And so he keeps going back to Eli saying, you know, hey, what did you want? Where are you calling me? And I just think it kind of brings up an interesting point. And the point is this, that right now for you, some of you in your life, God is speaking to you, but you're not hearing him. 
that right now in your life, God is speaking to you and you might not even realize it. You know, it, you're not hearing from him. It's, it's like you're not listening or you don't know how to listen. You know, when, when God speaks, we need to be able to confirm it. Now, let me just give you a few ways that we can confirm, you know, God speaking to us, his voice today. And, and these are in your notes. You can write them down. We're going to go through them kind of quickly. You know, how, how do we know that God's speaking to us? How can we confirm that? Well, how does he speak? Well, he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us that God will speak to us through his Holy Spirit. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And the stronger your relationship with God, the deeper your walk with God, the more aware you will be of his leading and his work and his voice in you. And so you've probably had times in your life where you've wondered, is that the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Is that God speaking to me? Or is that indigestion from lunch? You know, what, what, what's going on here? You know, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. You know, the Holy Spirit will prompt you. And the more that you get to know God in your prayers, the more aware you will be of God's work, of God's presence inside of you. Now, God speaks to us through his spirit. The second thing is that God speaks to us through the Bible. God will speak to us through his word. He'll speak to us through the Bible. And and this is important. The Holy Spirit will never lead you in such a way that contradicts God's word. I mean, he'll never lead you to do something sinful. You know, the Holy Spirit won't do that. You know, something that is not confirmed in God's word. And so God speaks to us through his word. and, And we miss this. You know, I once heard someone say that God doesn't speak audibly nearly as much as we'd like him to because he's already given us his word i mean he's already given us his bible you know for us to read for us to understand and so he doesn't need to i mean we have been trusted with the very words of god and so do you want to hear from god and the question that i would ask you then is are you reading your bible i mean do you just take time every day to read your bible and to hear from god because god speaks through his word you know the bible describes itself as living and active First uh, Timothy chapter three, verse 16 says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching and correcting and rebuking and training in righteousness. You know, in the Psalms, David wrote, God, your word is a flashlight unto my feet. He says lamp, but your word is a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so don't say God's not speaking to me or uh, I can't hear from God. If you're not able to say, yes, I'm, I'm spending time, you know, reading my Bible, trying to better understand and know God. God speaks to us through his Bible. The third thing, God speaks to us through people. You know, God will put some great people into our life. He'll put other Christians in your life. Maybe God says to you, hey, I care for you by, you know, prompting a person to make an unexpected phone call to you one day just to check in to see how you're doing. Or God will say, I'll provide for you in that, you know, your connection group, you know, shows up with all of these meals to help your family, you know, through a difficult time or something. I'm thankful for some key men that God has put in my life at just the right time and just the right place who were able to speak wisdom in my life and help me. The fourth thing, uh, God speaks to us through our circumstances. You know, sometimes God will close a door in your life. Sometimes he opens a door in, in your life. And while at first it might seem, you know, coincidental or something, really it's God who's working. You know, the, the job goes away, the... the uh, you know, opportunity to relocate. I mean, it, it goes away and we might get frustrated or we might be relieved to think it's coincidence, you know, but God's working in these circumstances. You know, in the Old Testament, God spoke in some unusual ways, maybe an audible voice, a burning bush, even a donkey. But I like what Hebrews chapter one, verse one and two says, in the past, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. I don't think I have uh, the second verse for you. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, 
whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. You know, so through Jesus, through Scripture and the Holy Spirit, you know, we can hear God's voice. So how do we better position ourselves to hear God's voice? It's, it's getting to where God is speaking, you know, finding those times and places in your life. Uh, the second thing is to confirm that it is God's voice. Uh, here's the third thing. I think this is a really important one, especially today. And that is that we've got to find a way to get away from some of the distractions. I mean, there are so many distractions. And in order to hear God's voice, we have to find a way to clear some of the distractions that are always on top of us. I mean, do you know when God speaks to Samuel? It's not in the busyness of the day. It was in the middle of the night. You know, it was in the temple. Now, I was reading, I remember hearing about a man by the name of Bernie Krause. Not Ben Krause, but Bernie Krause. Uh, and he records nature sounds for TV and film. And uh, so he was sharing that back in 1968, on average, it took 15 hours of recording for him to be able to edit one pure hour of nothing but, but nature and, and just the sounds, just the natural sounds that come from nature. It sounds a little redundant there. But uh, anyway, but that everything's changed with all the distractions and all. And, and he said that just recently, now today, in order to get one hour of nature sound, he has to have 2,000 hours of recording time. You know, in order to avoid the airplanes and the lawnmowers and all of those things that are happening, but to get one pure hour of time of nothing but nature, it takes 2,000 hours of recording. I mean, there are so many interruptions around us, all sorts of interference today. You know, and so whether it's Facebook or Twitter or your phone or your iPad, I mean, the question is, do you really have any silence in your life right now? I mean, it's almost impossible to disconnect, and it's so difficult to get away. Well, can I give you some advice? Find some time to disconnect. Make make it a habit to finding some points in your day and in your week where you just get completely disconnected. And so maybe that for you means that you work on the computer all day long, and you just go home some nights and you don't ever turn it on. Or or maybe for you, it's that you go outside to play in the backyard with your kids this afternoon, and while you normally have that phone in your pocket, just leave the phone in the house. And, you know, what would it be like to get a text and not be there to receive it? Would that be okay? You know, would that be okay to just follow up with those things a little bit later from time to time? You know, most importantly, you know, do it for your kids, you know, do do it for your own life, but most importantly, do it for your relationship with God. You know, because sometimes God only speaks when there is silence. And so the question really is, are you creating any points in your life for no distractions, silence with God? So try it. I want to challenge you to try it. I I hope you'll try it this week, that you'll just try and find some silence. You know, set aside 20 to 30 minutes, you know, to be quiet. No, No music, you know, no distractions, no talking, no phone. You know, just give it a try. I tried to do this very intentionally this past week. And so I came to the office early one morning and I just took 20, 30 minutes and I sat at the little table in my, de- in my office, no music, nothing but a pen and a pad of paper. And I just sat there silent. And I was almost a little nervous about it at first, you know, like what's going to happen, you know. And I get a little antsy, but I found that the longer I sat, the more at peace that I became. And I really loved that in that moment for me, God, God gave me a verse Uh, Psalm 55, verse 22, which says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. And for me, in that moment, I knew that that was my word from God. 
And I just took my pen and I just started writing down on paper, what are some of the things that I need to cast onto God today? Because he will sustain me. And, and what do you know that later on that day I was at the hospital visiting with a young couple and that was just the right verse at just the right moment for them. You know, are you getting any silence in your life? I mean, maybe you don't hear from God because you've got too much noise around you. Psalm chapter 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. If you break down that word still there, it means to vacate. It's almost like God is offering us a vacation to get away from the chaos and the busyness of our lives where we can be still and know that he is God, that he's in charge. You know, one person said it this way, to be still is like silence on the outside and surrender on the inside. To be still is like silence on the outside and surrender on the inside. So find a way to get away from some of the distractions. You know, find some time where where God is the only possible noise that you might experience. And the last thing, you know, that I want you to see in this and and, and learning to listen from God is that in order to, to hear God, you know, not only once but to hear Him regularly, you have to be ready to respond with obedience. You have to be ready to respond with obedience. I mean, this is setting us up for a life of regularly hearing from God. I mean, God spoke to Samuel. He told Samuel, I want you to go to your mentor, Eli, and confront him about the sin in the tabernacle. Well, Samuel was probably somewhere between the age of 9 and 13 years old at this time. And if you remember from the text, it says Eli's eyes were getting really bad. I mean, he's the chief priest. He's the mentor. So if you're Eli, do you really appreciate this little kid, you know, coming before you to confront you, you know, with some sin? And then on the other side of it, I mean, if you're a 9, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old kid, do you really feel comfortable going in front of your mentor to talk to him about this word from the Lord, you know, that, that God has given to you? I mean, God, you want me to do what? But here's the problem that I have, and I think the problem that you may have sometimes in your life. It's not so much that God isn't speaking to us, maybe more than we just don't really like what he has to say. And we don't agree. My little two-year-old girl, uh, Kate, is deathly afraid of sirens right now. And uh, for whatever reason, we hear a bunch of them from our backyard. We don't live too far from the fire department. And so we're out in the backyard. The sirens fire up. She'll put her hands over her ears and just start running around in circles. And she's looking for mom and dad. And she's screaming, you know, take it away, take it away, take it away. Is it done yet or whatever? I mean, it, it's, it's funny, it's cute, and a little annoying, you know, once in a while, especially if it happens several times in the day. But, uh, you know, she just get all anxious because the sirens won't go away. Sometimes, and we may not always realize this, But I think it's sort of like we kind of plug our ears too when God is trying to speak to us. And so we just go right back into the routine or we go right back to the computer or we put our MP3 player back on or we just keep running and running and running. And we pretend like we don't hear Him. And the danger is is that if we do this long enough, His voice too will go away. You know, it's so important to listen. It's so important to listen from, to God. And here's what we learned. The more you respond in obedience to God's voice in your life, the more clearly and frequently that you will hear God's voice, that you will hear His prompting. You know, the more you put God off, the harder it will be for you in your life to hear from Him. And so the question this morning is, has He been speaking to you? 
Or is he speaking to you even right now? And if so, what is he saying? You know, for some of you, he's speaking to you today and and maybe he's nudging you for the first time or maybe he's nudging you like he hasn't ever before. And the crazy thing is that he wants you to respond. And, and if you do respond, you will begin to hear his voice. And I believe that if you make this a practice in your life, that you'll be able to come to this place where you'll be able to say, I hear from God and I hear from him regularly and I hear from him clearly. And one of the things that God will most commonly say to people who are far from him is, is come. As, as I want to help you find your way through all of this. You know, come back. Come to me. And that's his invitation. You know, and that's maybe what he's saying to you today. And, and if God's nudging you, if he's knocking on the door of your life right now, if he's tapping you on the shoulder and, and he's saying, come, you know, you know, come have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, he's inviting you to come. You now, what's, what's preventing you from saying yes? What's preventing you from responding to his invitation in your life? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to finish out singing today, and then we're going to have a group of people up front after the service. And if God's speaking to something about something in your life this morning, if he's inviting you or helping you understand what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like, uh, we'd love to talk with you more about that this morning. Let's pray. God in heaven, uh, it's our desire to hear from you and to hear more clearly from you. And my prayer is that as we walk away from here today, that we would find time and space in our lives uh, to better hear from you and a willingness to respond. God, I pray for those in the room right now who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But I pray that as they seek to understand uh, Jesus' death and resurrection, the life that he's made available to us, the free gift, God, that we would be willing to respond to that, that your forgiveness is greater than all things. Uh, It covers all sin. And we are so thankful that that has been made available to us. God, we want to hear from you.